Welcome to Alberta Conservation Association's Harvest Your Own podcast, the resource for everything hunting, navigating through the field, the butcher shop, and the kitchen. Life is all about great food. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fenson, an avid outdoor enthusiast who has worked as a freelance journalist, photographer, and public speaker for over three decades. I have hunted, fished, and foraged all my life and hope to share my passion for the outdoors. Along the way, I want to encourage everyone to harvest wild proteins and enjoy the satisfaction of providing the next meal for your family. Our goal is to educate, entertain, and inspire individuals to get outdoors and create a connection between food, health, and your future meals. Welcome to Harvest Your Own. Today we have a special guest, Rose Athena. Uh, Rose, I believe, grew up in Alberta and uh, headed off to university, just finished. Welcome to the show, Rose. Hi, Brad. Yeah, that's right. I grew up in Calgary, Alberta. Spent a lot of my 20s living in, in Vancouver, working as a photographer out there, and then came back to Alberta in 2019 to do my MBA, and that was really right when my hunting career took off, too. <laughs> right. You know, I was going to ask, did you grow up in a hunting family? You know, my dad has always been into shooting, and he started showing us how to shoot around when my siblings and I were 14 or so. But he's more of a duck hunter, small game kind of guy, so... I had to I had to get into the big game world myself. <laughs> I did that while I was still living in D.C. and I uh, just started reaching out to the to the backcountry hunters and anglers. I went to their meetings and I would meet up with the Eat Wild guys out there and do their meetings. And I did the Wild Sheep Society population count. Basically, I just around 2018 I just started doing everything I could to try to meet all the hunters I could. <laughs> well that's pretty cool I mean just to do the homework to find out these different groups and hunters organizations and then immerse yourself right into it that's uh, that's probably taking the fast track in terms of learning things in the outdoors and about big game hunting. Yeah for sure it worked out well I, I just kind of tagged along on other people's hunts the first couple of years I, I'd say there was a bit of a learning curve in terms of how well that works out, you know, because at first I would just go with whoever. It didn't matter if I really knew them. And I went on one hunt uh, in the Tobacco Roots Mountains in Montana, and I drove all the way down there, didn't know the guy I was hunting with, didn't know the girl he was bringing along, didn't even know he was bringing another girl along. And uh, and we hiked straight up this mountain like it was the most intense hike I'd ever done. And then this guy was an experienced hunter, and I was sort of expecting him to be the one that wanted to beg an elk that day, but he let this girl take a shot. And she had mentioned on the way up that she hadn't zeroed in her rifle. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, this girl takes a shot. She missed, you know, she, it was like a grazing shot. So then we ended up blood trailing all night at the top of this mountain. And we lost the trail, you know, it petered out. And then we kind of got lost on the top of this mountain. And like, as this, as the, dark starts to befall us I realized that these two are actually like sort of an item and they're like kissing and I I suddenly realized I'm like a third wheel on this stage <laughs> <laughs> it was so brutal and I just went home the next day you know I was like I, I can't do another day of this right so I had to kind of learn my lesson of choosing your hunting partners wisely and that's difficult when you know you're trying to get into the community or in trying to become a hunter trying to learn more uh, you reach out, you don't always know people. So, you know, 
How do you, how would you get started? Right. And especially as a woman, it can be, it can be tricky because I mean, I have a lot of male friends. I, I guess I would say I'm I'm very feminine physically, but I, I think I have kind of a masculine temperament. So I have, I see a lot of guys, my peers and my friends, but a lot of men, they don't, just want to be friends you know and it can be a lonely road because women kind of don't trust a girl who has a lot of male friends so yeah it's one thing to navigate for sure and it's all very interesting i i'm not sure if you recall it but i remember probably three or four years ago you reached out to me and asked if you could come along on a spring snow goose hunt to take photos and like i'm always <laughs> looking for a photographer and i right away looked up uh, some of your work and your photos and i'm like wow this would be a great opportunity to to get some new images and some great stuff and uh, take out somebody that uh, wants to learn more about hunting in general yeah you know and snow goose hunting has continued to elude me to this day i i was booked for one uh last spring i guess it was and or no it was in, I'm trying to remember what month that was. Anyways, I, I still haven't been on a snow goose hunt and, and I had tasted a French snow goose recently and it was so good. How come that never panned out between you and I? I think you just got busy with school and COVID hit and other things happened and life just sort of marched by. Right. So, uh, Yeah, COVID hit, world stopped. <laughs> yes, I think uh, we could probably get something on the calendar. I'd be happy to... Uh, share some snow goose experiences and knowledge uh, in trade for some uh, photography tips. <laughs> yeah, I would love that for sure. Definitely still want to do that snow goose hunt one of these days. Bear is one I'd, I'd love to do too. I managed to get a turkey and that was great. I I was, uh, oh, I just, I love turkey meat. So. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. my horizons every season. Yeah. Uh, what kind of recommendations would you give to other ladies wanting to get into hunting, uh, especially some that are more timid than yourself? You know, you have no problems calling someone up from Montana, driving down there, never met them, <laughs> hike all over a mountain, uh, deal with the experience and know when to get out of Dodge, so to speak. But what about <laughs> other people that are, are a little more timid? Would you, do you have any advice for how they could get started, how they could meet the right people or, or where to actually find your initial direction? Yeah, definitely. So when I was still in BC, and I think that was 2018, and I was going to all those meetings, that was a great way to start to meet people. But I didn't actually go on my own hunt where I had my own tag until I moved to Alberta and got involved with Ikea. Uh, And so Alan Orr took me out on one of their mentor hunts. And they've got a special access site that's just covered in beautiful deer down south. And so Alan and I became good friends and, you know, it's not necessary that you become his best friend or anything. They, they have a program for first time hunters. Um, and so he took me down there and we, we shot a deer. He helped me gut it the first time. Then I did it again with him in 2020. And, um, that time I gutted the doe myself more because Alan was way off in the distance digging the truck out of three feet of snow. <laughs> Um, but that was really how I got started was through Ikea and their mentored hunt. So for sure, for first time hunters, male or female, I'd say that's a great way to get into it. You know, I think you've really hit on something because Ikea uh, is the best place to start because you're going to have to take some courses, hunter education, maybe the firearms course, but uh, to be able to have a mentor take you out in the field, uh, you sh- you certainly shorten your learning curve substantially. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Alan was really helpful and and took a lot of the stress out of it, you know, because you can. I don't know. You want to talk to so many people and ask them, okay, step by step. I remember I was doing that, going to those um, BCHA meetings, and I was asking them, okay, seriously, from the beginning, like from the moment you buy your tag and then you're packing your bag and then you're driving to the spot, like I was asking people to give me the rundown from start to finish, and and no one could really answer that question because you kind of just have to go through it. and so you, I'd say just, yeah, put your fear aside and really just get out there is the first step for sure. Right. And I mean, the instructors that they have for the mentorship program through AHIA uh, have been around for years. They help in the classroom. Uh, they know what they're doing. And uh, I, I know oh, absolutely. Al, uh, yeah, Ellen very well. We've talked about the mentorship program uh, is in a different episode and AHIA programs. And he's a great fella and knows his stuff. Uh, has a great background, and that whole mentorship program can certainly um, help anyone looking to get into hunting. How important do you think mentors are? Hey, they're everything. I mean, I think in this world, everything is about who you know. <laughs> I just uh, I just landed a new gig yesterday, uh, uh, marketing, and and it was through one of my colleagues at school. You know, um, relationships are, are everything. So putting your best foot forward, going to those meetings, staying connected to the community. And that's something that's really suffered in the few, the past few years, right? Because of COVID. I a- mean, absolutely. people have lost touch with each other. And I think it's time for everyone to reach back out and become a member of society again. Yeah. And we have lots of opportunity in Alberta. You know, the Alberta Fish and Game Association has affiliate clubs in almost a hundred communities in Alberta. There's backcountry hunters and anglers. There's uh uh, Pheasant Forever, there's um, all kinds of different organizations, uh, Alberta Wild Sheep Foundation, and all of them are avid hunters with programs, um, with people that are often eager to bring new people into the fold, bring them into the, the hunting community and show them firsthand what, what we have and how to deal with the experience. Yeah, and thank God for those programs because there's also the experience you get where you reach out to leaseholders or other hunters and it can be a pretty secretive group. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Yeah. If you can, if you can find those people that really see and have, you know, they've got an interest in keeping the practice alive and the tradition alive, then those are the people to know. Absolutely. And I think we see a lot of that on social media. Somebody shoots something and they'll post the location as zipper lip Creek or something like that. But Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they can uh, find a spot to take people out. This podcast is produced for Harvest Your Own, a program dedicated to those who want to reconnect with food and health through their experiences outdoors. HarvestYourOwn.ca is a resource for individuals to learn more about hunting and the outdoors. There's information to get you started and ensure that your compass stays pointed in the right direction to be successful. Where's your next meal coming from? You know, a lot of a lot of big game hunters uh, might look for larger antlers to lengthen their season or add to the challenge or different things. But but most people that have been out for years and years probably know of a spot where they could take somebody to find a doe almost any day of the season. And that's exactly what Alan did with you. Is he took you to a place that was we'll call it deer rich. There were lots of mm-hmm. uh, ungulates, lots of sightings. You know, and if you not successful on the first stock. I'm sure you'd have lots of others. Maybe you could just walk us through how how your day went. Uh, that first time with Alan? Yeah. 
or this season. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, boy, let me see if I can remember. I guess we just met up. We drove down there to uh, Cardston is the name of the town. And, um, yeah, I took a look around. Uh, I There was deer everywhere. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I think if I recall, I actually took a shot in this. Uh, and, you know, that'll happen. It's the kind of thing people, a lot of people don't talk about much, but, uh, but it's, I always figure it's better to clear myths than, <laughs> than wound an animal, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And like anyone that tells you they've never missed an animal is not telling you the truth or they haven't hunted yeah. much. Yeah. And it's always just a learning lesson. You know, I've gotten uh, more serious about my target practice through the summer these days and um, just, you know, working on your breathing and that kind of thing. Um, so then we just kept walking around until the end of the day. I shot up. It was a pretty small deer. Um, you know, I remember when I called my girlfriend up and told her I was bringing a, a fawn to her garage <laughs> to skin it. She was expecting it to have spots, she oh. said, but it wasn't that small. Right. <laughs> it wasn't like Bambi or anything. Um, but it was close to the end of the, of the of the day, so that's why Alan ended up just getting it for me kind of quickly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that one, I, it's hard for me to even remember. It was a few years ago now. Yeah, it's interesting. More of the you know, you bring up several good points, though, about your experience, and some of us suffer from this even in uh, after decades of hunting, but controlling your breathing and your emotions and your excitement in that moment or that second when a shot opportunity arises is hard to do. And if you've never done it before, it's, it's, I'd have to say it's one of the things that uh, ignites me as a hunter and makes me want to go back because it's a, um, a special feeling. There's euphoria, there's excitement, there's all these things that you don't experience other ways in life. So uh, those, mo those, those moments are special. And, you know, somebody that's thinking about getting into hunting uh, missing is something that happens. So it, it is about uh, trigger control, breath control, controlling your heart rate, and and not getting that buck fever that uh, can can give you the shakes and throw you off. Yeah, for sure. Another good thing too is to make sure you've got good gear because in Alberta hunting in the winter time, I, I've found that if my like you've got to have good gloves so that if you're going to keep your gloves on, you still do have good control of your gear. But if you're going to take them off momentarily, that you're not instantly freezing because you weren't already cold to begin with. Right. Um, so, yeah, in, in Canadian winter, for sure, make sure you invest in good gear. Yeah, and we're lucky in Alberta. Uh, you know, you were down in the southwest corner. Um, most of the time, there's Chinooks down there that can keep things pretty warm, and they tend to get uh, pretty temperate uh, climate for the for the duration of the hunting season, which makes it nice. So. Uh, you're in Calgary as well and you know there's lots of hunting around there and again you could get uh, warm weather or you never know what you're gonna run into when you get out but being prepared is a big part of it yeah warm weather what's that I can't <laughs> to recall warm weather it's been minus 30 for three days I didn't even you know I usually go to my jiu-jitsu gym every every day almost and train and uh, I didn't go there the past couple of days because it's just minus 30 it's just Oh, I couldn't make it. <laughs> it's hard to motivate yourself when it's that cold. Yeah, or you almost, I mean, you sort of tell yourself the story, as well, it's not even really responsible for me to go out <laughs> in this kind of weather. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never go quite that far. Um, I was out this week. It was It's our last uh, week of waterfall season, 
and I got out with some friends. We did two days, and it was minus 36, and we ended up sitting in the field for a long time. And uh, your point about having the right gear was critical. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you could end up uh, in trouble real quick, but we we stuck it out, and we ended up with uh, a lot of nice uh, late-season honkers and mallards to, to grease our freezer, and uh, it's a great way to sort of end the year off. But, yeah, cold... Uh, Cold can keep a lot of people at home, and sometimes it's the best time to go a field if you're prepared because there's a lot less competition out there. Yeah, that's true. That's true, man. I'm feeling good about my freezer this year. I got my first buck and filled her up with sausages. I actually went down and made some sausages myself. At uh, well, it was it was cool. I I did a class on it at this little um, spot called the Hartel Homestead. It's in the town of Hartel, like. Uh, not far from, well, sort of in the Turner Valley area. Yep. And it was great. Yeah, they showed us, well, they sort of taught us all about seasonings and the different kinds of casings and stuff. It was really cool. That's awesome. What, uh, and, t- and, uh, yep. sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, ask uh, about the course itself and taking a step back. Tell us about your buck. Like, it was, you sort of just brought this in nonchalantly that, yeah, my freezer's full. I shot a nice buck this year. Uh, <laughs> whitetail, mule deer. Yeah. It was a whitetail buck. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was really happy this year. Got my first buck, and it was a really nice uh, four by five, pretty you know thick, stout looking guy, kind of a hybrid looking one. Uh, got it on a buddy's private property. It was funny. I was supposed to go to Leafland with some some guys from my gym, but uh, I ended up just going to my friend's place to do some target shooting because when I had been getting ready for this hunt with uh, my friends from from my gym champions creed uh it was a really windy day like crazy windy and so i just didn't really feel that comfortable by the end of the day we were at um buffalo association target target range i just didn't feel sure that you know whether it was me not shooting well or the wind or if i wasn't zeroed properly so i went up to this friend of mine to, to just use his range uh and then the snow fell that night and it had been warm uh, the day before and so it got really icy and he's got a really big long drive and I couldn't get my truck up but, you know I woke up before to go meet up with my friends in Sundry and I just could not get my truck up that driveway so I just left it in the bottom of the valley and walked kind of the ways back to his place because <laughs> he's on a big property there and said well I guess we're hunting around here again and so we went out that morning, and it's by, by 9 a.m. I came across uh, this, this beautiful whitetail buck up, up on a ride. Uh, and he was, you know, about 250 yards away. So we walked in to get closer. And, uh, and so I took a head-on shot and got him down. Good shot. I, when we when I walked up with my friend, I said, "What do you think about that shot?" And he goes, "Well, he's dead. It is me." <laughs> <laughs> I was like pretty happy to be with such an experienced hunter who's not prone to over analysis, right? Yeah, how true. <laughs> so I was really with it. Yeah, and I I'm gonna get it hung on my wall. I took it to uh, Dustin Leonzio at High Country Beetles and Bones to get it cleaned up. I I thought for a minute I thought I could. Uh, clean the skull myself and everything, but boy, that was a disgusting job. I just decided, <laughs> let me just leave this to professionals. <laughs> yes, you do seem very adventuresome, like willing to jump right in uh, to do things on your own and learn whatever the process is, what you're working on. 
Yeah, that's for sure. I've definitely got a real independent sort of entrepreneurial streak in me. This podcast was made possible by Alberta Conservation Association and the Harvest Your Own community. If you're interested in harvesting your own food, there's a comprehensive collection of information to gain insight and knowledge, head to the field, harvest your own protein, prepare it, and taste the results. Harvestyourown.ca is a library of information from getting started and geared up to processing, butchering, and cooking wild game to make the connection between health and food. I just started a business, actually. If I can tell you about it, I'm really excited about it. Certainly. Yeah, so I um, I started a business, the martial arts business. Uh, we're going to be hosting international seminars a few times a year. I've got my first one coming up in March at Gracie Baja and Playa del Carmen. Uh, so the company's called Base Fight Camp. And this is going to be a great event. Uh, we're, we've got few excellent coaches. Uh, one is uh, from Brazil. He trained at the original Carlton Gracie headquarters in Copacabana. And he's a UFC veteran with 22-13 record. His name's Juan Jucal Carnero. Our other coach is Jeremy Kennedy. He's a UFC, or sorry, uh, he started in the UFC. Now he's at Bellator. He's a featherweight number five in his division. So if you've got any listeners who are jujitsu or MMA athletes, definitely check us out, Base Fight Camp. Yeah, it sounds like anything that you get into, you jump in with both feet and start running. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I take it to the end, that's for sure. <laughs> and I'm sure the time in the gym and the training and stuff helps you when you're in the outdoors. Yeah, for sure. I've got pretty good cardio after doing martial arts for, uh, I guess, four, four years now. I've been doing yoga almost every single day for four years. I'm, I'm going to be doing yoga at this, uh, at this martial arts seminar that I'm hosting as well, yoga recovery for the athletes at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I'm pretty fit, yeah, for sure. It sounds like it. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like the deer you shot was a big deer. How did you get it out? How did you deal with it? Did you do everything on your own? Did you have some help this time? So we had, uh, we had my buddy's squad, so we just had to drag it that, you know, 200 yards or so back to the quad and then drove it back up to his place and stand it there um butchered it there I mean this year was was wild it was such a quick and dirty job compared to the way I've done it in the past because with Alan and my first couple does I was so determined to do all the butchering and processing myself and I was so meticulous about it I mean that's kind of how I am with with most things very diligent and (laughs) and meticulous so this year, it was just, you know, cut it all up, throw it in the bag, uh, you know, label it all, labeled it all whitetail. <laughs> Not like with previous years where I'm labeling everything like, okay, this is the, this is for Osobuco, this is my blade roast, you know, it was so much more specific in years before, but it was, it was so much slower. So right. I guess I'm, yeah, I'm learning. I wouldn't say cutting corners or anything or wasting any meat because I still keep everything. I, I make bone broth every year, but I'm trying to learn how to be a little bit quicker about it. That comes with time. And I know lots of uh, friends that are avid hunters that uh, still are, are very slow and meticulous, meticulous about getting their, their meat taken care of properly. And there's nothing wrong with that. So everyone has their own uh, process and uh, learning it on your own is the, is the biggest thing. The more you do, the better you're going to get. Yeah, it's wild, honestly. Some of my, my hobbies 
blow my mind because I'm such a clean freak. And here I am out in the out. I've got these white snow pants on I was wearing this year, and they just got covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> and then with jujitsu too. I mean, for someone who's sort of a germaphobe to be rolling around on the ground with people and people are sweating all over you. Sometimes people sweat right into your mouth. (laughs) 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 But I think that there's, I don't know, there's, you've got to just sort of put those, your little peccadillos aside when you've got a hobby that's really worth it. And uh, yeah, the, the, the joy that you get from things that are difficult in life, you know, Steve Renella calls it that long-term fun, not like a roller coaster where it's fun in the moment, but, fun to tell the story afterwards and you get a lot of uh, I guess you just feel more resilient afterwards right after going through it yeah you weren't squeamish at all with having to deal with things or is it something that gets easier every time you're out uh I'm okay with uh I'm definitely okay with skinning and gutting I mean it's it's not like it's uh I mean it's a gross smell for sure but there's there's something sort of fascinating about it, I guess. And, and really just the, that self-reliance that I get out of knowing that I can do that myself, it's worth it to me. Uh, I would say though, man, trying to clean that skull this year, that was my limit. <laughs> I boiled <laughs> it and I, I was, I read the articles on everything you have to do. You know, you're sticking a coat hanger in the back of the skull to try to pull the brains out and stuff. I, I did my best, but I just, I just couldn't. My I was in my parents' garage, and my dad comes in. He's like, "What is this Jeffrey Dahmer thing <laughs> out here?" <laughs> and my mom walks in to tell me something. Mom, get out! You don't want to see this. <laughs> I just sent her right away. So after a while with that, I just thought, "Hey, I better just find out." And I, I it was funny because I put a post up of my photo of myself with my buck on Facebook, and then I must have got like. 30 new friend requests and people telling me about taxidermists all over the province because I made the mistake of not mentioning that I live in Calgary. Right. So I had such a sorting process to go through, but it was interesting actually to, to find out uh, who, who were kind of the top, top rated people. And so I ended up going with this guy, Dustin, at uh, his company called High Country Beetles and Bones. I also heard a lot of people were talking about Hillbilly's taxidermy. And then I just did a lot of, you know, price, price shopping and went with the best deal I could. Oh, good. I give you like hats off for at least attempting it. Uh, you know, I find that uh, processing my own game and making sausage is a way to, to finish the hunt. And it gives me incredible satisfaction from the entire experience. It actually helps bring the hunt to a closure and, and, uh, somehow feels more complete. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. I just feel like you you understand the animal so much better if you take the time to process it yourself for sure. Right. Now you said that you've shot a couple deer. You've also shot a Turkey. Yeah. Yeah. I got a Turkey. I'm trying to remember. Was that 20, I guess it was 2021. Uh, I go to BC for that obviously, because it takes years to pull a Turkey tag in, in Alberta, but there's a whole bunch um, in BC. So I, I go down there and, uh, and, I, got, I stayed at a friend's cabin around trail. There's a lot of turkeys around there. And it was so fun, man. Oh, it was just so cool blasting that turkey and then, <laughs> you know, getting the feathers out and everything. It was so different from, from shooting a deer, right? But I love small game hunting too. I, I love, I love you know, uh, harvesting grouse is really cool. Such tasty meat. I also love to collect morel mushrooms. I did that a few times. And it's just, it's exciting, you know, when you can, 
get the foraging, your small game going, your big game, and then you really feel like you've you've run the the gamut. Absolutely. So I got to get a bear. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel like, oh man, I just got to. Yeah, I think it's always good to set goals, and you know, some people call it a bucket list. Uh, whether it's uh, to get out and harvest an extra deer or a bigger deer or shoot a buck the next year or go for bears, uh, it's all good. And every time you're in the field, whether it's for grouse or turkeys or something, you can learn something. And paying attention to the tracks uh, when you're out bird hunting can actually help you find new places to hunt big game as well. Uh, you know, turkeys, a lot of times people say turkeys are very similar to hunting big game because their eyesight is so keen and you got to call them and you can use decoys. So it's... Uh, it's a very unique experience that uh, can extend your seasons into the spring. And, and uh, again, it's just a great way to learn uh, how to become a hunter. Yeah, definitely. Turkey, turkey tracking was interesting. They've got a, a real interesting track. And that's another thing that I did when I first started hunting was I kept really careful notes of, of tracks and rubs, took photos, and I uh, used this app called Evernote to keep track of all that stuff. Um, I'm a real note taker and being organized is a big thing when it comes to hunting. It's really helpful. Absolutely. I, some of the most successful hunters I know keep a diary, you know, everything from the weather and the moon phase, uh, what day of the month it is, all the rest of it. It, uh, it can be knowledge long-term. Yeah, definitely. And, and just keeping track too of, um, your plan, like taking notes about your plans and your access points, the people that you thought about going out with, maybe you didn't and, just kind of keeping those relationships alive year to year is is really helpful, I find, too, because it sucks if you have to start all over with a whole <laughs> bunch of new leaseholders every year. Yes. If you do the right thing, contact uh, leaseholders early on, you know, in the summer even, before the season starts, and show some sort of appreciation. Also, being really careful to uh, be uh, responsive to what they might need or what the rules are. and uh, those things can go a long way with people. Yes, I think you you really hit on something there. That's always important to to acknowledge or understand other people's wants and needs out of a situation. So that is important. Talking about other people, have you had any influence any over any other friends or family to get into hunting? I'm trying to think. I mean, my my siblings don't really hunt. Uh, it's funny, you know. I like I'm. I'm uh, sort of the son my my dad always wanted. <laughs> no, my brothers have have excellent talents. They're very creative. Um, but no, I just um, I, I think I mean I've got some girlfriends. I've been you know it's funny. A lot of people say they want to hunt, but but I'd say I kind of invited people out to come shooting and that kind of thing. And I don't know. I think some people they have a mental block about it because it seems like it's just a whole other world, right? Yes. And- it probably is, and you know, I guess that's why we we do the Harvest Your Own podcast is because there's a lot of people out there that would like to try it, but uh, have things that are holding them back or fears. And we, you know, talk about field dressing, and it's only gross if you make it gross. Yeah, there's some smells, but what you end up with in the end is pretty special. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes the grosser the better, in a way, because when <laughs> I was doing that uh, sausage making class at at Hartel. Uh, Man, the difference between using a real pig intestine for your casing as opposed to the collagen casing. I mean, it's sort of gross dealing with it. Like, and it's real, you know, animal matter that you're dealing with. You've got to soak it. It's a lot harder. Yep. Um, but man, it's so much tastier. 
Yeah, and and it holds the sausage in a more pleasant way where it curves a little bit. So (laughs) if you can wrap your head around that stuff and and get comfortable with it, it's yeah, it's rewarding in the end of the day. Yes, well, I I'm here to tell you that you have influenced people you probably don't even know about because uh, you were covered in Conservation Magazine this year, the Alberta Conservation Association Magazine. And I mean, just the stories of the different ladies that are out there, you know, uh, non-traditional hunters embracing the old age tradition in modern times, telling your story, sharing a message. uh, It does impact people and influences people to get out there and give it a try. So we certainly appreciate it. Have you got any advice for women or anyone wanting to get into the hunting world and uh, not knowing where to start? I, you know, iHunter is a really good app. I would say use iHunter because that's a, a good way to keep track of uh, bots, um, places where you can park, places where you can shoot. Start by uh, obviously getting your uh, license and getting a gun and, and do some target practice. Probably the best place. And then get out there, find some public land and walk around with your gun during, you know, an open season and see what you see. Yeah, we're pretty fortunate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're we're fortunate in Alberta to have a lot of public land and lots of places to go, which makes it even easier. Uh, get, gaining access and asking people for permission can be very daunting to some people as well, very right. intimidating. But uh, we do have lots of opportunity here. Uh, one last question for you. This is always my most important question, maybe from a, a personal point of view. But you've harvested deer, turkey, grouse, and all these things. What is your favorite wild game recipe? You know, I'll be honest. I'm not a very good cook. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm kind of a meat and potatoes kind of girl. Like, uh, I, I'll just season the meat up. I, I like to, um, you know, marinate it for a little while. And, I mean, I, I really love uh, just making sort of like a pulled, I, I made a really delicious sort of pulled turkey recipe with just mayo and and uh, mustard I, I love to just like cook up the uh, back strap and um, and then cut it into medallions and then just top it with like a gremolata oh yeah um, sort of uh, so gremolata is like a garlic and um, parsley and lemon basically it's really simple garnish but like I really keep it simple I mean that's I think the best way to really appreciate the meat is uh, to keep it nice and simple and, you know, a little bit of bread, some veggies and, and a nice garnish, honestly. Yeah, I have to agree. And, you know, lots of people out there that are getting into hunting or have wild game, if you don't know where to start, uh, check out Harvest Your Own. There's a, a wealth of information on there about recipes, how to cook it. We even have instructional videos to walk you through making, like, uh, moose chow mein for instance with vegetables and chow mein noodles or or other dishes even how to make homemade uh don't air meat out of your wild game so lots of information on harvest your own to get people started and enthused about eating more wild game and finding ways to enjoy it yeah for sure you know i think that like one the reason the main reason i would say that i love hunting is the direct connection that it creates between you and the resources around you your community and it kind of cuts out the middleman right and i think we need more people who have that self-reliance right because just as we saw with everything that happened in the last few years you know you if you let too many people get in the middle <laughs> there's a lot of 
there's a lot of risk of, uh, I don't know, foolishness and totalitarianism, right? So yeah. there's a lot of freedom in being able to source your own food, being in control of your own finances. I just love the independence of, of hunting. You know, I'm a big believer in limited government and people knowing what's best for themselves and, and their family, right? So that's for me what really drives me into it. Yes, I can tell that you're highly motivated, and I have little doubt that you're going to find yourself a bear in the near future and probably <laughs> move on to bigger things like elk and moose as well. So, Yeah, yeah, I'll have to keep my, my strong spider friends close by to, <laughs> get those, to get those ones out of the woods. But yeah. yeah, hopefully. Well, thank you for sharing your messages today. I think they're all very important, and uh, congratulations on becoming a hunter and taking the initiative to get out there and make it happen. Uh, like I said, you're very highly motivated uh, to get things done, and I think you're an inspiration to people that uh, would like to also become part of the hunting community. Thank you so much, Brad. It was such a pleasure talking to you today. We hope to inspire people to reconnect with nature and appreciate where your food comes from by harvesting your own. For more information on getting started or to learn specifics about the Field to Fork experience, visit harvestyourown.ca and follow on Facebook and Instagram. Check back often for new material, recipes, and videos that are posted regularly. Please subscribe to Harvest Your Own Podcast and take the time to rate and review the show to help us build a dedicated core of passionate hunters as our regular audience. Until next time, embrace the outdoors and all it has to offer. Thanks for joining us.